Surprise. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't tell you I was preaching today because we wanted you to come. So thanks for being here. Oh, man. I love this church. Uh, my life and my family's life has been blessed and forever changed because of Highland. I was baptized at this church January 23rd, 1980 at the old building. And the Lord has blessed that decision a thousand times over. So if you're visiting or you're new to Highland, I want you to know you're at a good church. We're not perfect, but we're striving every day to follow Jesus and be a beacon in this dark world. And we would love to have you join us. We're glad that you're here today. Last year, I preached on giving your time and tried to encourage you to serve in a ministry because it's good for you. And many of you did, and that's great. And I'm sure it's because of the inspirational preaching that Eric and I did on that. And now today I'm talking about giving money because it's good for you. And I know you're on the edge of your seat to hear this, right? Everyone loves that. It's like Eric only lets me preach on topics that everyone hates. I looked up the uncomfortable sermon topics. Giving is number five. There's only four things worse. So here's, the, here's what they are. I could have talked about gluttony. That's number four. That wouldn't be good. Sexuality and gender, which we've already done that. So thank you for that. God's wrath. You know, who wants to hear that? Like, come on, man. And then sin. You're all sinners and, you know, you know that sermon. No one wants to hear that. So maybe next year, Eric will let me do one of those. If I play my cards right, I won't get asked to do this ever again. That's what I'm hoping. But here's the truth. I actually love talking about giving money to the church. There's a lot of reasons, but here's 3.3 million of them. Last year, you gave $3.3 million for ministry. So we had raised the budget last year and you exceeded it. We raised the outreach contribution goal and you exceeded that. Um, you've been generous and God has been glorified in so many ways. And at least two eternal things have happened that I want you to remember. Number one is there are people that are who are following Jesus because of your generosity. And number two, there will be people in heaven because they heard the gospel, thanks to your generosity. When I was a youth minister, you know, I didn't think much about church finances. I just took care of our budget and that was it. And I'm not the money guy. And let me tell you something, I don't wanna be the money guy. Excel sheets, I can't stand them. But anyway, that's Jeff Morris. But now it is something I pay attention to and it's been so encouraging. And so you may think, well, if that's the case, then why are we talking about giving to church when we seem to have plenty? You know, this is not a fundraising lesson. This is not ask for more money lesson. This is not anything except helping you learn how your generosity is going to help you grow your faith. I heard about a student who told their parents they didn't want to give money to Highland because Highland's always talking about how we have plenty of money and we exceed all our goals. And so I thought about just saying, well, you know what, guys, you gave $3 million last year. Great job. Keep up the good work. And then just be quiet and sit down. And let's worship some more. I don't want to mess up a good thing, right? But here's the deal. We need to talk about giving because the Bible talks about money and possessions from beginning to end. It teaches more about that than any other subject except for the kingdom of God. So giving to God is talked about all throughout the Old Testament. And I'm not gonna read all the verses, but Jesus talked about money like it was a bad thing. He said, watch out because it could destroy us. It could lead us far from God and from him. He said it was hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. He said the love of money was the root of all evil. But Jesus also talked about giving. You know, you think about the widow's might story. She gave all she had. You think about the sacrificing out of love stories about the woman who anointed Jesus with really expensive perfume that was like a year's wages, really generous. 
And then there's Paul. Paul talked about money like it was a threat to our faith also. If we don't keep it in perspective, it can really mess us up and get us off track. He also taught us to give and to sacrifice and to even uh, excel in the grace of giving. Like be an excellent giver, be a generous giver. So I don't want you to leave here feeling guilty because we had a talk on money and giving. I don't want you to feel like leave guilty because you feel like you should be giving more. Well, of course you should be giving more. We should be reading our Bible more too, right? You should be praying more. This is not a sermon to make anybody feel guilty. I also don't want you to leave here feeling proud of your giving and thinking that you're a better Christian because you give, okay? All I want for you is to be inspired to follow Jesus and give everything to him. So why is generosity and giving so important? Okay, I think, like I said in the title, I think it's because giving grows our faith. We're commanded to give, not just because it's good for God, but because it's good for us. And so when I give to the church, I'm not just giving money, I'm allowing God to change me. It's really, really important, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's easy. There was a time when things were really tight financially at our house. You know, we had three young boys, Kim was at home, I was a young youth minister, and we were even using the envelope system back when it really wasn't the thing to do. People paid cash for stuff back then. So I'd cash my check, break it up in all these denominations and put them in all these envelopes. We were constantly scratching out stuff from one envelope, putting it in another. If you've ever done the envelope system, you know what I mean. It's like, well, I thought we we're gonna spend money on clothing, but we're not doing that because we have to eat. So before uh, Kim and I got married, we had committed to giving at least 10% of our income to God. And so I remember sitting at the kitchen table on Saturday night writing the check to church back when people did that besides Brett. And sometimes I would think, you know, if we didn't give to church, things wouldn't be so tight. I mean, there's a lot of rich people at Highland. They got plenty of money. They, you know, we need the money more than God does. So why are we doing this again? And sometimes I would even say that out loud in front of Kim. Big mistake, big <laughs> mistake. So I'd get that look from her and she would, she would look at me like, I don't think so. Or, I cannot believe I'm even married to you right now. Who are you? She still gives me that look sometimes. Kim doesn't play when it comes to faith. So, of course, I wrote the check because I love my wife and I love the Lord. So I was giving and I knew it was going to be okay. I wanted to give, but it was sometimes just a little bit grudging. Maybe you can relate, you know. Why is there so much month left at the end of the money? You know, money's tight. You're just getting started. The bills are bigger than your paycheck. You got those student loans. You got kids. You're planning for retirement. Everything costs a fortune. Eggs are like $14 a piece. Beef is like gold. I get it. You know, we need all the money we can get, right? It's true, all right, that if you didn't give to church, you'd have more money for yourself. But is that what God wants for us? I think you already know the answer. All right, I have two favorite sayings. I say them all the time. I think about them all the time. Number one is, the main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. And then the second one is, the Lord provides. You know, I heard Lodge Terman pray that main thing, quote, in a actual prayer on a Sunday night at church. And it became something for me. And I've applied it to many things in my life, including how I view money. And then the Lord provides, well, that's a scripture verse that Kim and I made our family verse or our family motto. Uh, it's our reminder to trust God in all circumstances, including his provision for us in money and possessions. So just like our faith is a journey, like we increase in faith as we grow older and follow Jesus more, 
Generosity is also a journey. The more we grow in our faith and mature and seek God's will, we become more generous. Let me tell you about a time that really changed me. I was taught from a young age to give money to church. I started attending Highland when I was in college at Memphis, and the church was doing a capital campaign. The goal was to raise a million dollars in cash in one Sunday. It was to build the two-story education wing and the Christian Life Center, the gym out in the back. And it was pretty outrageous to believe that one church the size of Highland, it was like less than a thousand people, uh, that could raise that much money. And only a few churches had ever done that before 1979. We had preachers, we had fundraisers come in, tell us how we could do this. People sold valuables like their jewelry. They gave away stock or sold it and they sold rental property. People emptied their savings account down to zero, y'all. Emptied their savings accounts. Of course, kids were all emptying their piggy banks. And uh, I decided since it was such an exciting faith building time, I made, a, I made a decision to give my tax refund from my summer job, which was a few hundred dollars. And that was a lot of money at the time. I had never given that much money to anything at once. I had been given like five or $10 a week just from a part-time job. Well, guess what happened? Let me give you a little church history. April 27th, 1980, we not only made the goal, we exceeded it. Sound familiar? It was unreal. A million and $25,000 in cash on one passing of the plate. So we were all praising God when we found out. And everybody was in awe of just how much people were willing to sacrifice and give uh, to accomplish this goal that our, so that our church could grow and reach more people. It made me want to be a regular giver and trust God with my money. That experience also opened my eyes to God's faithfulness, and it really grew my faith. So there are a lot of biblical lessons and principles on money that have helped me my faith grow, but I've narrowed it down to three practices, all right? Number one is recognize that it all belongs to God. We are his stewards. That's why people say you never see a U-Haul behind a hearse. You can't take it with you. Psalm 24.1 says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20 to 20 says, you were bought at a price. So not only is everything in the earth God's, we too belong to God. And then 1 Peter 4.10 says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So we are his stewards. And being a steward is like being a slave. Uh, the stewards didn't own anything. They were charged with managing the master's property. They were, their worth was not based on their possessions because they didn't have any, but they were valuable because they had been bought by their master. And as God's stewards, when we give, we're just doing what our master wants. And being a good and faithful steward is part of our discipleship. It's an act of worship. It shows him we trust his promises and it protects us from becoming greedy. You know, I know a family, um, they bought a beach house down on Dolphin Island. And the only reason they bought that beach house was so that they could let people use it for free. 50 out of 52 weeks a year, other people were in their beach house for free. A lot of church members and staff people enjoyed that for many years. So you might say, well, well it's easy to say that, you know, and think that if you have enough money to buy a beach house and you have plenty of money. Well, let me tell you a Joe Cannon story. Joe was a well-known Highland missionary. He was a godly man. He uh, loved Jesus and he wanted the whole world to love him too. So he had been a missionary in Papua New Guinea, where he had started hundreds of churches in the jungles of PNG, and we still support that work there today. But Joe had great faith, 
no money. So one time a missionary was in town visiting, and Joe and Ron Wade were meeting with this missionary when Joe told Ron, hey, Ron, pull out your wallet. And he said, how much do you have? So people carried cash back then, so he pulled out his wallet. He said, I got about $150. Joe Cannon, the missionary, said, give it to him. <laughs> so Ron, I, I don't know what Ron did. We need to find more about this, Ron. But he gave it to him. Ron's an elder now, so there you go. Um, so Ron gave it to him and walked out with an empty wallet. You see, Joe believed that his money belonged to God, but he didn't mind telling you that your money belonged to God too. Joe was what people today would describe as irresponsibly generous. Those are people that give away money and possessions when most people would tell them you shouldn't do that. That's not good financial advice. But Joe didn't give, worry about giving away everything he had because he knew it didn't belong to him anyway. So if you want to be a good steward and let God grow your faith, you know, it's fine to have stuff, but maybe loosen your grip, all right? View your stuff in light of eternity, not just the present, not just how it's going to make you look and feel right now, all right? Don't be stingy like it belongs to you because it doesn't. Be a good steward of what is already his. And then the second way that you can let your giving grow your faith is this. Give to God first, all right? He requires that we make him our number one priority in everything, including our money. So when God is our main thing, we give like he's our main thing. And giving to God first sounds risky because, you know, what if there's not enough left at the end after you've given to God? Well, that's when we trust that the Lord provides. You see how those two things go together? The main thing and the Lord provides. In Numbers 18, God's people gave their first harvest to God. They did it without knowing what else they were going to get. And Scripture is full of examples of God's people giving first to the Lord or giving their first fruits. And they gave based on trust and faith, and the same is true for us. So when Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24, you cannot serve both God and money. He didn't say shouldn't serve or don't serve. He said you can't serve both. So money and possessions are, they are a big threat to our faith. And generosity puts our money in its proper place. And we've all known people that say Jesus is Lord, but they live like money is Lord. Don't let money and possessions rule your life. Give to God first. Because, you know, giving to, to church is a tangible way to demonstrate the priority of God in our lives. When Matthew 6, says to seek first the kingdom of God, when we trust God to provide and give to him first, it grows our faith. I'll send a thank you note out to all of our first-time givers, just thanking them for trusting us and for getting involved in this discipline and starting this new discipline in their life. And it's really encouraging. But a, a young guy last year started giving, and so I sent him a note, and we talked about it later. Um, and he just said, it's not about the amount. It's about, I just want to give. I want to make God first, and so I'm going to commit to doing this. And so I believe, I mean, God is going to honor that decision. And man, that gets me fired up. I was like, man, I love that. You're putting God first with your money at a young age. That's a big deal. And it's important. You know, all financial planners advise you to have a budget so that you can control your money. And everyone hates budgets. And so instead of it in controlling you, you control it. Well, I know a family that does this really well. And they assign every dollar to a category. But the top line, their first line is the Highland Church of Christ. Isn't that cool? I love that. I think honor, God, God honors that spirit. So think about your own situation. Do you give to God first and do you do it intentionally? Or do you wait 
and go on down the list and see what's left over and then give that to God. I just want to challenge you to work on making God at the top of the list because it's going to grow your faith. So remember, it all belongs to God and give to God first. And then the final thing is this. Uh, The third way is to give generously, not grudgingly. 2 Corinthians 9 says this. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God doesn't tell us how much to give, but he does tell us what outcome to expect. Sow sparingly, reap sparingly. Sow generously, reap generously. God calls us to give based on the grace that we have already received, that we've already been given. So give cheerfully, not grudgingly. And when we give, remember remember this, we're giving from the blessing of God. He's already done everything we need. All right. He's provided us everything we need. You're not giving so that you can get anything. You're giving from the blessing of God, not for the blessing of God. All right. Michelle reminded me of a time when we were raising money for something at church and a boy named Zach said he wanted to give a hundred dollar bill from his savings jar. And his father had tried to talk him out of it and even questioned, do you really want to give that much? Because, you know, you're not going to have much left or anything left if you give that whole hundred dollars. And Zach said, but poor people need it more than I do. I don't really need anything. And of course, yes, father was me. Don't be that dad. Kids want to be generous. Let them be generous. Zach doesn't miss that money. All right. So those are three principles you can follow to begin letting your giving grow uh, your faith. Uh, Let me end with this story. In 1998, 25 years ago, that's ridiculous. um, I want to do something really faith building with our seniors. So I planned this weekend mystery trip. And the goal was to serve God and to serve people and to rely on God and others. And I told them that they could only bring a paper sack and they could put a change of clothes in it, a towel and a toothbrush and deodorant because I didn't want to be with stinky teenagers all weekend. Anyway, only a few things. And then they paid $20 cash and that was it. And I said, we're going to get in the white van and we're going to just go serve people and depend on people to provide for us all weekend. I said, I'll drive. I'll take you whichever direction you want to go. I want you to get on the van. And I don't know where we're going. And uh, so they said, okay. And I thought, well, the worst that can happen is I'm going to end up sleeping in this van with these teenagers all weekend. And we're going to be fasting all weekend because we're not going to get fed and we're not going to have a place to sleep. And also I was by myself. Who does that? I would never let that happen now. Anyway, I don't know why any parent will let their teen go, but uh, seven people showed up. I remember somebody prayed in the van and I said, all right, which way do you want to go? And they were surprised because apparently they thought that I had a plan and just wasn't telling them. I did not. So one of them said, go west, young man. I said, all right. So we went west down. We went towards Little Rock on I-40. And so I'm driving across Arkansas and Jennifer, uh, Jennifer Shapley was on this trip. You'll see her picture. She was starting to get hangry. So she saw a sign for KFC at the Lone Oak exit and said, we should go see the colonel. And everybody agreed. And while they were deciding who was going to go ask for the free food for eight people, a sweet couple walked up to me and asked if I was with that Highland Church fan out there. 
I said, yes, sir. And he said, well, our daughter and her family go to church there. I was like, you're kidding. Who's your daughter? He said, do you know Pam Flat?" I was like, well, of course I know Pam Flat. I love their whole family. And I'm the youth minister at Highland. I'm Buster Clemens. And he said, well, I'm J.A. McFarland, and this is my wife, Jean. See, <laughs> he was like, where are you guys headed? I said, well, <clears throat> I don't know for sure uh, because we're on our first ever mystery trip. And Jean was the fun one. She said, mystery trip? Well, that sounds like fun. What's a mystery trip? So I explained it to her, and we're going to ask people to provide for us. They said, go west, and this is our first stop. And they're up there about to ask uh, for a free supper. And Mr. McFarland said, well, we're going to be your first answered prayer. Supper's on us. Come on up here. And so I go up there, and he says, hey, y'all, just get whatever you want. Supper's on us. And they all looked at me like, what? And I was like, I know. <laughs> So we ate with them there and they were just, I mean, they're eating and laughing at the same time, except Jennifer, she was just happy to have some food. Um, so we sit there and eat with them. And they're like, well, you know, why don't y'all, where y'all staying? I said, well, we don't know. So why don't y'all stay at the Lone Oak Church of Christ tonight? And I said, all right, sounds good. I asked them, do y'all want to stay at the Lone Oak Church? And they said, yes, we do. <laughs> We've gone far enough. And they said, well, you know what? We're also having a men's prayer breakfast in the morning. So you got dinner and breakfast. I was like, that sounds even better. So they were just thrilled. They gave us things to do after the breakfast and told us some people we could go serve. And so we went and did some yard work. Ended up staying with them the whole weekend. Here's a picture of the group. You can see them. That, um, it was really a fun trip. But you can imagine how good it made uh, J.A. and G. McFarland feel to help those young people. But think about the impact that their generosity had on each of us, especially those seniors. I talked to Jennifer and to Laura Bontrager last week, and they still think about that trip. You know, when they had less, the Lord provided. And when you experience the Lord providing for you, it builds your faith. And you know, I've never passed the Lone Oak exit without thinking about the McFarlands. Man, I actually attended his funeral several years later, and he was remembered in his church and his community for being a faithful and generous man. And I couldn't agree more. I'm telling you, Making God that priority with my money has done more to grow my faith than anything else because it's a daily and weekly decision. And it reminds me this, that I do believe the Lord provides and it helps me keep the main thing, the main thing. You might need more than a paper sack with some toothpaste and deodorant in it, but trust God. So whether you have a lot of money or a little, remember who owns it. Make giving back to him your first priority and then give generously. Just don't act surprised when God keeps his promises. It's not a mystery. All right, let's pray. Uh, God, we're thankful for the way you provide for us. I pray that we will keep the main thing, especially with our money and possessions. Help us to uh, loosen our grip. Help us to um, just always want to honor you with everything that we have. Remember it's yours and to put you first, and to be generous givers. In Jesus' name, amen.